SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to Sports Grid. I'm Mike Blewett, hosting today for Dane Martinez, filling in for Dane Martinez on vacation day. Kevin Walsh will be joining us in just a few. So excited to bring you a lot of MLB previews today. We kicked off the Major League Baseball season last night with the Yankees getting their first victory of the season, albeit rain short. The uh, rainout rules in a moment, but uh, I think it's best to go over the action first. Uh, Garrett Cole, as advertised in the opener last night, and the win punctuated by a gargantuan Giancarlo Stanton home run, uh, 459 feet to be exact, uh, and it powers the Yankees to the win. Aaron Judge, a couple of hits last night, uh, but ultimately uh, a, a good win for the Yankees. Uh, we only go through five innings. Uh, Max Scherzer was a little spotty early, uh, but settled in. Uh, not a bad performance. He does give up the four runs, and he'll take the loss. But uh, the 10, 11 strikeouts for him, uh, he is the first pitcher since 1893 to go three consecutive opening days with 10 or more strikeouts. And we welcome in Kevin Walsh to talk a little bit about uh, that performance last night. So, uh, Kev, a lot of strikeouts for Scherzer. He gets the over on that K prop. Uh, but you know, Giancarlo Stanton's home run powering the Yankees to their first win of the season. Yeah, Scherzer's performance was really, uh, really, really interesting. Uh, we had yeah. talked yesterday um, on the early line, trying to figure out what to do with some of these strikeout props. Would a guy like Max Scherzer be able to go deep enough to get himself over that eight and a half number that was listed at the FanDuel Sportsbook, and it just didn't matter. It was how he was getting his outs, right? He recorded 16 outs in this game, 11 of them via the strikeout. But he didn't really have – is it fair to say he didn't have his best stuff? Because he struck out 11 guys. But, you know, giving up the four earned runs, guys on the corners, you know, when this game came to a close, it wasn't as sharp as you would like. I mean, the Yankees left a ton of guys on base. They scored the four runs. They struck out 11 times. They left double-digit guys on base. A-Rod actually, like, the A-Rod TV thing is weird because when he first on TV, <laughs> I thought he was, I, I, I never, I, I very rarely criticized it. But A-Rod was so good when he was first on television. Now he's almost like, uh, he's almost playing himself at times. Like, just be natural. You know more about baseball than anybody. But I, mm-hmm. I digress. But he was breaking down last night. He was doing a good job, actually, breaking down uh, Scherzer's performance last night. And he just, and they video evidence, he was missing a lot of locations early, uh, obviously, including on the home run to Stanton. But after the Stanton home run, he really settled in, just started striking everybody out. So, uh, you know, that's a sign of uh, obviously one of the elite pitchers that they can be rough early and then figure it out. Uh, but unfortunately, the game doesn't last long enough for the Nats to get to the Yankees' bullpen or Cole or anything else. And on the other side of the mound, I mean, Garrett Cole, um, quite hilariously, I'm not sure if you saw this, uh, Mike, but was you know reportedly texting his wife during the rain delay with a lot of enthusiasm, saying, I'm going to get a complete game one hitter in my Yankees <laughs> debut. I mean, he did. He went five. He got five strikeouts. 
He only had thrown 75 pitches at the time. You had to think he had at least two more innings probably uh, of work in him. And, you know, again, it was only five innings of work. But Garrett Cole looked about to be every single thing that the Yankees paid for. Yep. I'd like to welcome our radio audience uh, this morning to the early line, Mike Blute and Kevin Walsh. Uh, and obviously, uh, look, he did look sharp. Adam Eaton takes him deep, but he settled in. He ends up throwing uh, 75 pitches, 46 for strikes. On the flip side, Scherzer, 99 pitches for 62 strikes. So while Scherzer uh, obviously didn't get the opportunity, it, it was pretty apparent that at really the end of that performance that that was going to be Scherzer's last pitches anyway. He was not going to come out for another inning, whether it was rain delay, uh, pitching mm-hmm. out, or whatever. I don't think they were going to push him too much further than that. We uh, Everybody understands this is a shortened season, but I still think managers are going to be wary of taxing guys early in the season. Yeah, uh, and you know maybe this was a best-case scenario if you're the Yankees. Didn't have to put any innings on the bullpen. You got Garrett Cole to the win, but he only had to you know, go the five innings, the minimum, and 75 pitches, probably more than happy with that from an opening start. And then, of course, the bats, um, which I know you were talking about. But, look, the big things for, the, for this team is going to be judge and stand. And it's mainly going to be from a health scenario. And, you know, obviously the, the two guys step to the plate three times, both go two for three. Stan hit, hit a ball that still hasn't landed. Judge yeah, uh, wow. was ripping shots. They both looked excellent, really, uh, Mike, in this game. Yeah, uh, agreed. And I, and I think th- that th- the reason I was in favor of the over for Scherzer last night, I obviously didn't expect the sort of spotty performance that we saw, but the Yankees are going to be a team that strikes out a lot. It doesn't necessarily mean that it, it, it's a bad thing in, in, in 2020 baseball, but uh, I think it is something that you can look for a lot of over props on, on pitchers for the Yankees. They're just going to strike out a lot. Hopefully you don't leave 11 guys on base in five <laughs> innings every night. Uh, but nonetheless, that's the deal. We're going to get into after look all morning. It's going to be a, a baseball day. It is uh, the widespread opening day, even though as our compadre George Kurtz, whom I do uh, additional shows with, points out that there are no day games other than the Nets game at 4 p.m. Eastern, and there were none last night. Uh, we will be in a situation where we'll preview all these games after the break. We'll talk a little bit about Juan Soto, what happened with him regarding his positive COVID tests and and the new rainout rules, which I think are important. They changed a little bit for this year. We'll explain that uh, to everybody after the break. So it's Mike Blewett, Kevin Walsh, excited to bring you an entire slate of Major League Baseball. It's finally happening, folks. We'll be right back on the grid after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, we're back on the early line. I'm Mike Blewett, Kevin Walsh. Uh, excited to uh, be here with you. Dane, uh, taking a little bit of a day off. I'm happy for him. I think he's uh, celebrating uh, some birthdays, so good for him. I hope he's uh, someplace fun. He didn't tell me. He just uh, took off on me. <laughs> I, 
here I am. But uh, <laughs> so we're going to talk Dodgers uh, Giants in a moment. I obviously didn't catch the end of that game. I was watching it early. Uh, the news out of that one uh, that Kershaw was not able to make the start. He goes on the IL. But let's talk a little bit more about some of the rules that happened in relation to the Yankees game because the broadcast last night and, and make sure that we relate it to everybody that didn't understand what the new rainout rules are for 2020. So uh, we have some different things in place for 2020 to ensure that these games are getting in here, right, Kevin? Uh, this year, mm-hmm. uh, the games that don't reach the designation of an official game will be paused where they are and picked up where they left off once the teams are able to play again. It's only in place for this season in an effort to limit the amount of time players and personnel are on the field. So here's the basic tenets of what's going to happen with games like last night. Once a game reaches the official game status, the original rain, de- rain delay rules remain in effect. So that's if an official game is called off and the home team is winning, that game is over. That's what happened last night. They played five full. Uh, the, or rather, the, the next thing is what happened last night. If an official game is called off when the visiting team took the lead in a previous inning, the game is over. So the Yankees had the lead. They played five full. Game over. If an official game is called off when the visiting team took the lead in the same inning the game was called, the game is suspended and picked up at a later date. So you have a tie game. If the Yankees went up one last and they We're going to finish it. And an official game is called off when the score is tied. The game is suspended and picked up at a later date. Now, obviously, Kevin, you and I exchanging notes last night. That is different Mm -hmm. because in the past, let's start this game all over again, which frankly is probably kind of silly. They should always just suspend the games, even though they're saying they're doing it for now. Uh, Maybe that's a long-term solution. Yeah, and, and there was seemingly some confusion even on the broadcast. Um, Matt Vaskersian kind of seemed to be under the idea that there would be no world where they would just go, the game is official, right? That they are going to play a full nine to play a full nine. And while that sounded like a drastic change, it made a lot of sense to me because when you're playing 102 less baseball games, you probably don't want to be able to go, ah, we played five innings, good enough, fair is fair, game over. Like, I thought that actually made quite a bit of sense. They don't have time to do this. They don't have time. And that's the problem is they can't set a precedent. Like for this specific scenario, Mike, they have plenty of time, right? They play, they're they're off today, and then they play at 7 o'clock on Saturday. So whether they wanted to play it, you know, quickly on noon on Saturday, whatever it might be, there was plenty of time to finish this one up. But you can't set a precedent then that you're not going to have games go official if they play the full five. Um it does, though, I, I think somewhat shine a light on the fact that it is a bit weird that baseball has this thing where you can play half of the game and right. that'll be eh, fair is fair. Game is over. Yeah. Sorry. I none of that. It, well, there that there's that. And also, it's also a little weird. They're like, hey, everything you guys just did doesn't count. Thanks for coming out here but and letting idea, it pour rain on you. That had they only played four and a half innings. That they yeah. would pick this up and then play a full nine, but they played five innings, so that's game. Like, I get it. That's that's a mistake somewhere there. But I I understand due to the the time constraints that they're in, that they don't really have much of a choice. And I know that this is obviously the sport that is impacted the most uh, by weather in terms of their ability to finish games. Yeah. So I get all of that, but it is one of these things like. And I don't know if the if Nationals fans sit there this morning and say, oh, man, we could have got to this team considering 
Scherzer was on the ropes. Their bullpen isn't inspiring much confidence. And, you know, Cole did look pretty locked in, had not given up a hit since the second batter in the game. But, yeah. you know, again, ultimately, when, you know, every single game is going to matter to the degree that it is, I could understand if a Nationals fan was like, I just want to be able to get to the plate the, you know, three or four more times that we were supposed to. They, they lost the equivalent of a series last night in five innings. You know, <laughs> would equate to a series. They played five yeah. innings of a baseball game. So, uh, so that's it for the rainout rules. Juan Soto news obviously hit them pretty hard yesterday, simply because they don't know really how long he's going. Uh, he tested positive. He's asymptomatic uh, for the coronavirus currently. Uh, but just a few hours after his initial positive test was announced, reports surfaced that the outfielder had tested negative for the virus multiple times on separate instant tests. So uh, unfortunately for him, that does not mean that he can just come back right away. Uh, it's undoubtedly good news, as stated here uh, by Ethan Cadeau of NBC Sports Washington. But while a negative results are undoubtedly good news, Soto is clear, not clear to play on Thursday night or the near future. Soto is required to have two consecutive negative tests with tests over 24 hours apart and not show any fever-like symptoms for 72 hours before he's eligible to return. So I would assume, Kevin, the clock starts today at 72 hours. So maybe Monday is, let me do the math, Tuesday would be the first day we'd be back? Yeah, I mean, realistically, the earliest would be Sunday, depending on how they are going to kind of try and negotiate this. There's pretty much then no way he would play Saturday. Um, again, it just is trying to – these are new rules. These are new times where, you know, you have to kind of figure out how they're going yeah. to apply um, these rules. The The idea that it was a false positive, to say that's a good thing, I, I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but you get to kind of – I think it's going to happen a lot. I think I think that that's certainly possible, and that that will be a little dangerous, though, right? In terms of where you know they're like, ah, oh, we can't uh, yeah. believe this, and trying to then you know because ultimately, right? Again, it is one game, and I think it's going to take a while before people adjust to the fact that every game matters so much more than it typically does. Because yeah. one game over one sixty-two, I mean, who cares? But one game over sixty, there is a big difference there, and yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. The, I think maybe the bigger thing here, and it's it's hard to really peel open, but the idea that you know he is going to come away with a false positive is the biggest thing. Is that he was around a lot of his teammates when you know during one of those scrimmage games when he might have potentially then had coronavirus. I mean, you know, we saw this with the MLS's back tournament, right? FC Dallas kind of got hit with a bit of an outbreak; they had to pull out. Now, the idea that the Nationals season would shut down, I don't think is the case here. But the idea that they might have to, you know, potentially could have played their first week of baseball missing five guys from their lineup, that's something that, you know, we might have had a scare with here, Mike, and maybe could be inevitable down the road. Yeah, I, I said a lot. I, I, that might be overstating it, but I, I think we're just going to have to accept that there's going to be potentially false positives we're erring on the side of caution for the remainder of this season. Uh, as much as I've been concerned about the starts of these seasons and more so the completions of these seasons, at the moment I'm feeling like there have been enough things put in place to safeguard the players. The Most of these players are not in high-risk categories, so I think the teams will just have to learn to get along. I think we all understand 
that there's going to be funky scenarios like this and that you're going to miss one soda for a couple of days, whether it was positive, a false positive, a real positive. Uh, we're going to test him a couple of more times to make sure that he's going to be uh, good to go and not affect anybody else. So that's it for last night's game. Obviously, we can talk about that game at length, but I think it's important to keep moving through. We have so much baseball to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the night. We talk about the night game. Johnny Cueto and his shimmy uh, was looking <laughs> good early. He threw four innings, uh, f- five hits, only gave up a run uh, and the three Ks. But we're going to talk more about it on the other side of the break. But the big news, Clayton Kershaw on the DL with back in three. When the season starts, it's the most 2020 thing ever to get a rainout. Juan Soto test positive. Clayton Kershaw has a back injury, and off we are. Yeah, the bingo card was full before we really even got our feet wet. And it, as you mentioned, it wasn't all that surprising. Uh, we are coming up against this break. So uh, when we get back, we will continue to talk a little bit about this Dodgers game. They look to be the, the, their usual selves. And then before we preview this full slate, Mike, uh, we also should probably talk a little bit about the fact that baseball did implement those new playoff rules. Absolutely. We'll talk about all that stuff uh, after the break. It's probably the biggest piece of news that came out of yesterday. So Kevin and I will be right back on the grid. It's the early line. Uh, Enjoy these commercials. And we'll talk about the MLB playoff rules after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Two Major League Baseball games are in the books in this crazy sprint to 60 games. The Yankees won a rain-shortened contest over the Washington Nationals 4-1. Garrett Cole with the win there. Giancarlo Stanton hit the first home run of the year. That came off Max Scherzer. The Dodgers used a five-run seventh inning to take the lead over the San Francisco Giants en route to a 8-1 win. Kiki Hernandez had five RBIs in the victory. Clinton Kershaw scratched before he could even toe the rubber in the regular season. The dominant lefty hits the injured list with a sore back, Dustin May got the nod instead for L.A. A full schedule of games today, beginning with the Mets and Braves playing at 4 p.m. Eastern. The Braves placed left-handed pitcher Cole Hamels on the 45-day injured list with left triceps tendonitis. Major League Baseball and the MLBPA agreed Thursday just before the start of the season to expand the playoffs to 16 teams for the 2020 season. All second-place teams in the six divisions will now qualify for the playoffs. The seventh and eighth teams in each league will be chosen by best record. The first round of the playoffs scheduled for September 29th through October 2nd in each league will be 4-3 game series with all games played at the higher seeds home stadium. The rest of the rounds will be their customary length. In the NFL according to a report from ESPN's Dan Graziano, Thursday night NFL Players Association team player representatives are scheduled to convene a conference call at some point this morning as the players work to finalize an agreement with team owners on the rules and finances of the 2020 NFL season. Graziano's sources said the negotiations were still ongoing on Thursday night around three key points. Rules for the training camp acclimation period, procedures via which players could opt out of the season for coronavirus-related reasons, and what would happen to the contract of those who do, and how to handle the league's long-term finances and salary caps of future years in the wake of projected 2021 
revenue loss as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. And effective Thursday, Washington will call itself the Washington football team pending the adoption of a new name. This is not the final renaming or rebranding of the team, but just a stopgap until they make that move. They hope to have everything moved over in the next 50 days before their first game against the Eagles in September. I'm Dan Strafford, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. We're back in the early line. So talking about uh, last night's game, Dodgers-Giants, uh, obviously Kershaw hits the IL. Unfortunate for them, Kevin, but we saw a little bit of that action last night. Uh, Johnny Cueto, good early. Unfortunately, fell apart for the bullpen. The trifecta of Rogers, Jimenez, and Menez gave up. Seven runs last night. Kiki Hernandez, the big star of the night. He goes four for five, five ribbies, including a homer off Menez. Uh, two runs scored. So Kiki Hern- Hernandez off to a good start. May gets the start in uh, replacement of Kershaw. He goes four and a third. Uh, scattered seven hits, only gave up the one run. So uh, a good win for the Dodgers to get started. Uh, they poured it on late in the 8-1 degree. Yeah, and I was torn on this one pregame as to whether I wanted to play the under because it, it did seem like maybe there was a bit of overreaction with the move from Kershaw to May. Um, but when it comes to games like this, I, I always liken it to Yankees-Orioles. It's very similar here with the Dodgers and the Giants. Uh, instead of you know laying minus 300 on a money line, you lay a run and a half and you get it down to a respectable you know, minus 150, minus 145, um, kind of depending on where that number closed at the FanDuel Sportsbook. And this is the potential that they had. It was 1-1 through 7. It looked like it was going to be tight. And next thing you know, they completely bust the game open. And the biggest reason, Mike, why I tried to, I prefer to lay that run and a half as opposed to the total, is I knew the Dodgers had a chance to get to that amount of runs by themselves. And they almost did. Now, it did stay under that new number of 9.5. Um, had you played, you know, a pregame over, uh, you would have got there. It all depends on the timing of your number when it comes to the total of this game here. But the Dodgers, you know, they look their fantastic selves. You know, some good base running from Betts uh, broke the deadlock. Then some good base running from Bellinger put two men in scoring position, and the rally continued from there. And neither guy necessarily had an all-star night. They both were able to get hits and that's the thing they have this ability where you know it can be any given night Kike Hernandez looked out of this world maybe he'll you know struggle tonight in the game it won't matter one of Betts or Bellinger will step up well he may not have had an all-star night at the plate but Mookie Betts had an all-star day yesterday oh sure let's let's be honest he signs the largest extension in Major League Baseball history 12 years $365 $365 million. Uh, technically, it's larger than Trout's extension, uh, although Trout has the largest overall deal. So <clears throat> I don't know if some people didn't think this was going to get done. Uh, clearly, the timing surprised <laughs> some people because we were in the midst of a pandemic where revenues aren't coming in. There's nobody at the games last night, although uh, there were cardboard cutouts of Mary Hart and other celebrities that were seem to be bothering people. I'm not really impacted by it. <laughs> so much but 12 years 365 million dollars he's going to be there rest of his career yeah and it's a great deal at the end of the day i mean it's hardly over 30 million dollars a year for one of the five best players in baseball this is a team that has the ability to win now and win for a long time the the money will work out 
people spend way too much time worrying about the last two years of a deal on a 12-year deal. What about the decade of fantastic production that you're likely to get from a guy like Mookie Betts? I, I think it was a slam dunk for the Dodgers. I think, of course, yes, you can point and say, oh, wow, remember when the owners couldn't, you know, had to share the pain? Yeah, no, they're fine. And mm-hmm. they can prove that in moments like this when they give out uh, these type of deals. And they also, you know, find other ways to figure it out. You mentioned the stands are empty, but now there's all of uh, the ads are out there, right? I saw yeah. Bud Light Seltzer and, uh, you know, M- Fly Emirates out there, and they'll make revenue that way. And then another way they're going to make their revenue, uh, Mike, is these expanded playoffs. Yes, sir. Uh, absolutely. And uh, to your point about the deal, I, I Obviously, there's an argument to be made that they shouldn't be signing long-term deals, but I would submit that the owners can uh, absolutely afford this. And I think those uh, luxury tax thresh- luxury tax thresholds were are put in place. There are some restrictions. I would submit that the revenue impact is minimal. I think these teams could spend at least 50% more and still be uh, revenue positive, considering the inflating uh, value of these franchises. So let's talk about those playoffs uh, first. Uh, via Buster only on Twitter. The interesting wrinkle in the 16-team playoff format, all the second-place teams in the six divisions qualify. Then the seventh and eighth teams will be chosen by best record amongst other teams. So we got eight teams per league, and uh, they're going to go at it. We'll get into the uh, how these playoffs are laid out, but clearly it's related to a revenue bonus pool. Uh, here, Kevin, but uh, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Do you like the added teams here? It's a different year. I'm fine with it. In fact, I, I think long-term, this will likely be the case, right? Anytime the players can conceivably get more revenue and the owners can as well, I think it's something they're going to look at long-term, even though it's specifically trying to address the uniqueness of this season. Yeah, I think the more teams usually that will be accepted because if it's making more money and you now have a better chance to get yourself into the postseason, I mean, they went from a third of the league making the postseason to now over 50% of the league makes the postseason. There's going to be a lot of people who will vote yes on that to try and stick around. The one thing I'm not over the moon about is the opening round being a best of three. I think that's a little worrisome, right? If you're one of the big dogs and, you know, you've now I was going to say, you know, you've worked all year to you know secure your top spot. Maybe that's a little different over 60 games. But if over 162, your then season is on the line, the best of three right out of the gate. I'm not in love with that. And I think maybe that could. Oh, I hate it. You know, th- maybe that probably wouldn't be the case, though, because that's kind of something yeah. they're having to do out of the condensed season. But then yeah. again, I guess you could turn around on its face. Right. And, you know, this Dodgers they have a team, one game playoff. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to be in a spot, I hate though. more than the one-game playoff in baseball. You've played 162 mm-hmm. games. The entire yeah. sport is based on three-game series, and you lose because your pitcher got out-dueled by Madison Bumgarner or uh, Max Scherzer or whomever it is that you face in a playoff game. I, I have no problem with expanding playoffs. I do not like one-game play-ins. I would prefer at least three, and it should be noted that the home teams here will be hosting all of the three games, so yeah. there's no travel days that will help to condense it. It obviously does give them some advantage of not having to leave their own stadium that they're more comfortable in, but that is the other wrinkle to it. So there will be three-game series to start. Everything else will go according to its standard length. So the five-game 
uh, champion divisional uh, championship series, and then the or sorry, the five game divisional series and the seven game championship and world series. So and, uh, from that and perspective, just, I, I think that's okay. Yeah, and then just quickly from the betting perspective on this, there were yes, no playoff bets over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. That market closed, and it doesn't look like we will see it again. More than understandable trying to figure out how they wanted to price it with, again, going from 10 teams to 16 teams making it. It's, yeah. a, lot, um, it's, it's a lot harder of a task. I was on in-game live last night with Jared Smith, who had reached out to John Sheeran, who uh, obviously works over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, saying, uh, that they intend to honor all of those yes/no playoff bets that were made before the change. So, if you're somebody who's out there betting yes, regardless of who you bet on, you have to your feel odds, better. If you were out there betting increased. no, obviously that's a you know that's a difficult pill to swallow now because things are obviously now pointing in a much better direction for any of those teams. And I, I think the big thing then is if you were going to try to capitalize anywhere here on this mike it would be in the pennant races just because now if you're going a little bit further down the board teams like the diamondbacks teams like the la angels you now have a better chance to know that they're at least going to be in the dance and you can get them at you know double digit prices you know those two teams are both at 18 to 1 yeah andrew heaney lightening it up today for the angels who had that on the board so but honestly, if you're a no better, would you be a- appealing to FanDuel if you were, and now that the playoffs expanded, if you were a no better on any of these teams? And you're like, well, they just added 14. Right. So I, I didn't bet based on that. The market changed on me, and it is an unforeseeable change. Look, it's, it took them until last night to announce that they're expanding the playoffs. It was yeah, the and games I, are already being played by the time we heard mm-hmm. from the commissioner. And I think to be fair, right, to anybody that would have that gripe, is when the report came out, I first saw it from John Heyman. I don't know if he had it first, but that's where I first saw it, that they were trying to figure this out. FanDuel responded by closing the line and making yeah. it, you know, a, a market that had disappeared. Rightfully so. They would be, you know, it would be ridiculous yeah. not to close it and reassess the situation. But I think that would then, any no better would have a valid point. It then, and you know what? These books do so great for themselves. They always find different ways to back to better. Um, you know, I remember a couple of weeks back when Max Holloway lost to Alexander Volkanovsky. There were some questions about that decision, and they decided to pay out uh, Max Holloway bets. Maybe they'll just do a situation here where you have the option. Do you want to keep your bet? Do you not want to keep your bet? Um, and then they'll have to play it <laughs> in that way. But I, I would say you would probably look for some uniformity, right? Because it really wouldn't be fair to the book. And I know all oh, boohoo for a book, but let's be honest. It wouldn't be fair if every yes bet they have to keep on the table and every no bet gets refunded. Uh, I agree. I agree. I, it's a tricky situation. The market moved on everybody. Last thing I'll say is, according to Evan Drelich, uh, Drelich excuse me, of The Athletic, MLBPA and MLB agreed to a $50 million postseason bonus pool for players with 16 teams for this year in negotiations last month, MLB offered 25 million. Players have voted. Now it's up to the owners uh, to ratify. So uh, Marley Rivera from ESPN broke that story. But so more money. Look, this is something that we talked about during the negotiations. They were trying to utilize it to get more games out of the players. But here we are. No more negotiations. 60 games, expanded playoffs, and uh, Yanks are one and zero, baby. 
Yeah, and you can't ask uh, for more than that. We're coming up against the break here, Mike. We get back. We started off. Uh, you know, you've joked. There's not a lot of great pitching matchups on this opening slate. DeGrom, Soroka, not bad. That'll start us off. That's what we'll get to when we get back here on the early line. It's Kevin Walsh and Mike Blewett with you guys in the morning. We'll see you after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, we're back, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the early line. Kevin and I are going to talk about uh, the Major League Baseball games for today. And I say day because uh, it's just a matter of the games in which the games, the day in which the games are being played. But Kevin and I were talking during the break, and I'm sure many of you uh, listening and watching are wondering why it is that there are so few day games today. I am wondering the same thing. Kevin and I are looking for answers. We will try to get those within the next hour. But for Major League Baseball to open at night is one thing. They've been doing this for Sunday night baseball, right? Uh, early in the season to open the game at night to get some viewership. I don't really have a problem with that necessarily last night, but to have a full Friday slate of games and to have one day game, which is a 4 p.m. start with the Mets and the Braves is surprising to me. You would think, <clears throat> particularly since the Cubs are playing at home, you could have a Chicago day game or other day games and have just a full cornucopia of games all throughout the day. I'm happy to have a lot of baseball, but it's all on at the same time now. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. Put three games on at one. Put three, like, that's the thing. Four o'clock's not even a day game to me. It's an afternoon game. And it's How about an 11 a.m. start? Let's do it. There's, the Sox do it on no, Patriots Day every year. Let's do it. Sure. The, the Mets have plenty of noon starts. Plenty of noon starts. There's no reason not to. I don't understand. You have a you have 14 games being played today. Why would you not be staggering this more? And the idea that, like, you know, oh, well, Tigers Red starts at 610. That's not staggered. Give it an hour, and they'll be on the same time as, you know, 10 other games. That's not the – I just – it feels like something that's so simple, Mike, that something – that's why we're looking for answers, right? Because this just feels yeah. so simple. I don't <clears> know how they could have dropped the ball on this that severely. There is no major league sport, certainly in this country, whose even most ardent fans are more annoyed with the league itself <laughs> than Major League Baseball. And it's not just because of this um, truncated season – and everything that came along with it, because those negotiations were obviously public and messy and everything else. It's because of yeah. things like this that seem to occur on an everyday basis. So let's get to the games, and we'll talk about one good uh, pitching matchup, and that's uh, Soroka going up against Jacob deGrom. Obviously, Jacob deGrom, there were concerns a week ago. Is he going to be healthy? Is he not? Well, here he is, trying to start another Cy Young campaign, and we got the men's the Mets favored by a run and a half, as I put on my spectacles uh, the money line, minus 150 for the Mets, and the total at 7.5. So uh, that's the 4-10 start today. I get excited for your lone day game. 
and you know what? This is a good game to isolate, uh, no doubt about it. One of the better pitching matchups that is on the slate. It's uh, certainly represented in that low total of seven and a half. I can't help, though, but think about this over a little bit here, Mike. Uh, at plus 102, over seven and a half has my attention. You mentioned that, you know, oh, DeGrom, the back. And I don't know if he's going to go out there and just mow everybody down with ease. This is still a good Braves team. Ronald Acuna, Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies. There's, you know, they bring in Marcelo Zuna to replace the departing Josh Donaldson. There's, there's a lot to like with that lineup. And then on the other side of it, and again, not to take away from Soroka, who obviously is not going to be the featured pitcher in this matchup, but it takes two to tango. But the Mets and the, the excitement that surrounds this team for the first time in, wow, uh, you know, over half a decade for sure, more of it is coming from the lineup because guys like Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil yeah. are on the heels of fantastic years. Because Cespedes is back, Cano is healthy, you know, can J.D. Davis replicate some of the uh, success that he had last year? I think over seven and a half, I understand the pitching matchups that's there, but because of this Mets lineup that we're supposed to be excited about, because DeGrom is maybe a little bit less than 100%, and it's such a low number, and it's at plus money, Mike, I think over seven and a half is an interesting one for this game. Yeah, they've won. The Mets have won 38 of their last 50 uh, opening days. So they, they've been good on opening day historically. And that doesn't necessarily uh, play to it here. Soroka is the Braves' youngest starter since 1978, 22 years of age. So youngest opening day starter since 1978. So um, I think you're right. I, I think there's some excitement around the lineup. Uh, Marcus Stroman, so some injury news. Marcus Stroman hits the IL mm-hmm. with a balky calf. And unfortunately for the Braves, uh, they signed Cole Hamels to a one-year, $18 million deal. They'll get very little Cole Hamels. He goes on the 45-day IL, uh, so you won't be seeing uh, Cole Hamels anytime until mid-September. And you'd ha- Look, this is a team that obviously can challenge here, Kevin, so I think they'll welcome all comers back. But for an aging pitcher with that kind of injury to be out 45 days at a minimum, you'd really have to question whether or not he comes back this season at all. But if he's ready to go, they'll obviously they'll, they can use all the arms that they can get. Expanded playoffs, all that kind of stuff. Even if he's in an abbreviated uh, opener role or out of the pen role, uh, I think he's somebody that they will welcome back if he's good to go. I just would doubt it at this point being out 45 days of this 60-team season. Yeah, I think the expanded playoffs so that you mentioned there is probably the key where, again, now due to the field growing, the Braves would be a pretty surprising team to miss the postseason. It's possible, but they would be a surprising team to miss the postseason where maybe Cole Hamels can get a game or two in the regular season under his belt before trying to be a part of this team in some regard. Maybe it's bullpen work, but in some regard for then what they would hope to be certainly a World Series challenge. Yeah, Uh, so let's move on to the next game. We can't spend too much time. We have 14 games today, so we'll try to get through as many as we can. On the show, we'll talk about uh, Tigers Reds next. We got a pitching matchup there, Matt Boyd and Sonny Gray. So, a pretty good pitching matchup there. I mean, Yankees fans won't like hearing me say that, but uh, Sonny Gray going to be the opening day starter here for the Reds. Again, run and a half uh, there in favor of the Reds. They are a minus 178 on the money line with an eight and a half over. Obviously, the Tigers coming off a horrendous season. Uh, (laughs) 
perhaps their winning percentage will inflate just based on the fact that there's less games to lose uh, this season. But a uh, decent matchup. Boyd, uh, really, uh, the prime, the prize prospect on the Tigers. He gets the opening day start here. From a pitching perspective, they have a shot. Not so sure about the bat. Yeah, I think the big thing here with the Reds, you see him as a minus 178 favorite. They, and we talked a little bit about this uh, yesterday, Mike, when we were on the phone, right? The Reds are kind of, be, they've become the cute team. A lot of people really buying into this Reds team. But it got to the point where it wasn't a dark horse, wasn't a sleeper anymore. They were co-favorites to win this division alongside the Cubs, um, up a little bit off of the Cardinals and the Brewers. There's heavy expectations for this Reds team. And if they're going to live up to them, they need to beat the Tigers. That, that's what has to happen in order for them to capitalize uh, on the potential that a lot of people believe that they have. When it comes to this Central, right, a, both AL and NL, it's the games against the Tigers, the game against the Royals, the games against the Pirates that are going to make the difference as to who is able to be- break through and get themselves into the postseason with Sonny Gray on the mound, and you alluded to it, if you're a Yankees fan and you may be disconnected from following Sonny Gray, no, this is not a mistake. No, this does not mean that they have a, a weak starting rotation. It's actually quite the opposite. He was great when he got himself to Cincinnati. Yes. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. But again, you're not going to overreact too much to one game. But these are the kind of games that people that are excited about this Reds team have to expect them to win and, and maybe even win comfortably. Yeah, I mean, the Gray, Bauer, Miley... Um, part of the rotation, Castillo, part of the rotation. That, that's that's why people are excited about it, right? People start thinking ahead to the playoffs in this shortened season. Be like, hey, we can spin a few starters out there that are going to potentially mow down the opposing team. We'll see how they we'll see how they do. Uh, you're right about Sonny Gray. Once he got out of New York, he got himself right. I thought it was going to work out when he was a Yankee. It clearly did not. But doesn't mean that you flush out the rest of his career. He's somebody that can. Uh, be a really interesting component on a, a, a team that might win a lot of games. Has the Reds' love gone too far? Probably a little bit, but we'll see how they do. We'll see how they started off today. Nick Castellanos, uh, who was signed by the Reds, is playing in his seventh consecutive Tigers opening day, unfortunately, this time. <laughs> the other so uh, That's a good we'll note. Go to the next one. Uh, we'll go to the next one. That is Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, at the Tampa Bay Rays. So you got Hyunjun Ryu versus Charlie Mort. Uh, again, a one and a half run total in favor of the Tampa Bay Rays. They're at minus 148 in this matchup with a total of seven. So that's the lowest total we've discussed thus far. Yeah, it's it's such a low number. I don't know if you ever find yourself like this, Mike. Like when you're when you're betting, say, college football, for example, right? And two, you know, defensive juggernauts come up and the total is you know, it's like all of a sudden it's like over 30 and a half. And it's like, this is a college. I can't, how, what? And you just almost bet over inherently. But then the final score is 7-3. And you realize that the, the total was as low for a reason. Charlie Morton has been great for this Rays team. Snell, Glasnow, those are the big names. Those are, right, like, but Morton has kind of been the lead guy for this rotation. He's a big part of why people think the Rays can truly challenge the Yankees for the top of the AL East. What's crazy is on the other side of the mound is the guy that finished second in NL Cy Young voting last year in Ryu. That's how you get a total that sits at just seven. And I think it it would be hard to really go to back this over. I know the Blue Jays have a lot to like with that rotation again, but you cannot take away from what Charlie Morton brings to the mound. And then even from the Rays 
um, offensively. Check that lineup. I'm not sure if Austin Meadows is going to be uh, available for this team. So it's a fun game. I, I think the the Blue Jays are one of those teams that maybe should have been getting a little bit more sleeper love, if you will, because I think their young guys can do a lot. I think Ryu was a nice addition. I know Pearson, uh, Nate Pearson, their young prospect, um, didn't make the opening um, 30-man roster, but that can change over time. And I think he could also yeah. be a bit of a swing guy for this team, Mike. This is a tough game to call for me. I don't know if I want to lay minus 150 against the Nomad Blue Jays, but it's more than understandable why that total sits at seven. Uh, you know, better beware of seeing a, that low number and just assuming it'll fly over. Look, two extreme control pitchers in this game. That's obviously why the total is so low, right? They tend to keep the ball in the ballpark. You're not going to see most likely a fireworks show uh, today uh, in Tampa. So I, I think that's why you're seeing such a low total. And Charlie Morton, at 36 years of age, will become the oldest pitcher to start on opening day for any team since the 2015 Mets. Do you remember who it was? All right, Dickie? No, Bartolo Colon. Really? Bartolo had an opening day start in him? In the 2015 Mets that went to the World Series. That's kind of fantastic. So, yeah. So, uh, so that's it. Now, you did mention the nomad nature of the Jays. We're about a minute before the break, so we should, you should discuss that at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, Pittsburgh said no thanks. Uh, currently, we're looking at uh, Maryland, potentially, although I don't, I don't even know if that happened while I was sleeping. If Maryland said no to it, um, I, Buffalo was on the board, then off the board. I, so right now, they, as you said, they are the Nomad Blue Jays. Are, are there, do you have any insider information as to where they might fall home? <laughs> I don't. Um, my, uh, pretty upsetting to not see them be able to pull that together in Pittsburgh. Uh, their first home game is on the 29th against the Nats after playing uh, in Washington for two days. I wonder if all of a sudden they go, all right, no choice here. We're sticking around Washington. Let's play these next two right here in this building. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll come back, uh, close out this hour of the early line. Obviously, I'm here. And for Dane Martinez, Kevin Walsh, and I'll be back right after this to uh, preview hour number two of the early. I'll be right back on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back, closing out this hour. Uh, I want to mention, too, in hour number two, we are going to be doing a UFC segment since there's a, a slate uh, coming up this weekend, and that's going to be with Jason Paglia. He's uh, at Kegger CEO. Uh, Jason, the sports guy, Paglia. Uh, Kevin will be doing that segment with him. Uh, but let's we, we got a couple of minutes here. We're going to break down uh, one more game, and we've got Bills Marlins. Get pumped, Marlins fans. Uh, Sandy Alcantara <laughs> going up against Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Nola. Sorry. 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 I'm going to, there's going to be a little sarcasm that comes out during yeah. these two hours about the teams that I don't think are going to last 
into the playoff race. But hey, there's more teams now, so everybody's got a shot. All right. Yeah. Uh, Philly's favorite by the uh, run and a half, minus 198 Oof. on the money line. The total is nine. So what do you got here, Aaron Nola? A uh, big campaign for Aaron Nola this year? Uh, listen, he he's going to have to have a great campaign for this Phillies team to capitalize on the, the full potential that they have. I think this team's going to be in the running to win uh, this division. I think Bryce Harper um, was one of my favorite MVP bets that was on the board. Dido Gregorius comes over. Um, and anybody know, that knows me knows that I hold Didi in very, very high regard. And I think that he will be a welcome addition to this Phillies uh, clubhouse as well as lineup. The two things that interest me here, one, I could see some runs in this game. The Marlins got a makeover in terms of their lineup. Uh, Jonathan VR, probably the biggest name that they added. It's almost an entirely new lineup. And then the Phillies have a lot of offensive firepower at even money to get over nine runs. I think that's interesting. The narrative, though, is what grabs my attention a little bit here, Mike. The Phillies pretty much gave themselves no chance to make the playoffs because they had a losing record in their 19 games against the Marlins last year. I don't know if it's fair that that to say that that'll be on the front of their mind, but it should be because if you want to make a playoff push, you can't have a losing record to the Marlins in this truncated season. Uh, no doubt about it. So uh, that's it there uh, for those games. We'll break down the rest of the slate in hour number two. Jason Paglia breaking down UFC along with Kevin Walsh. Uh, I'm Mike Blue. We'll be right back after this for the hour number two of the early line right here on the grid. Get pumped. It's opening day. All the games being played today. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 